I'm going to give you permission this morning to take out your device. Normally I can't stand these things being present in our services because I think they're big temptations to check the score or whatever, but take out your device. I want you to think about it this morning. Okay? Got it? All right. Somebody tell me from where you are, what is one of the biggest benefits to having your device? GPS. GPS. Oh, no. Eddie. The time? Right. Some people don't even wear watches anymore. They just pull these things out of their, their pocket constantly because they check them every five seconds anyway. Right? So we might as well know what time it is. All right. What else? Oh, the calendar. Right. We're setting a, an engagement or something. We can just pull it right out or we can know what's going on for the day. Connected to kids. Uh, any, any happy grandparents in the room that, that use these things? Good. Brian, what were you going to say? Texting. Absolutely. You can get, get in touch with somebody. <laughs> Luke. Yeah, keeping in contact. The weather. The weather. You can have an idea of what it's going to do. Patty, the news. Emergencies. Right, we can get a hold of people in emergencies. So, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Google it. I, I would hope that there is more family peace when you're in the family argument over something. You can pull this out and Google it, and you can get an answer. And hopefully you're not lording it over each other, who's right and who's wrong the rest of the dinner and ruining it that way. All right, so I want you to think about this for just a minute. We have devices that have all these characteristics that we enjoy about them. Now... If you think that your device has more to it than that, if you think it has some character or something in which you connect with your device at a deeper level than what it can do for you, you have a serious problem and you need to seek help. I would not be offended if you walked out of my sermon and sought help immediately. All right? Think about this. We see the prophetess Anna on this page. And I want to challenge you. Is she or is any Bible character or is God himself the sum of what they can do? Think about that. Are we as human beings, are we as believers, is the God that we worship only a sum of what they can do and produce or do for us? Or is there something greater? Is there some greater character? When we see prayer in worship, when we see people following God, when we get a sense of who somebody else is, we know there's more than just whatever benefit that person can bring to our life. We know there's more to their makeup. We know there's more to our God. And we see that in this little passage today about Anna the prophetess. She's more than just who she is. She's more than her title. She is a faithful prophetess. We'll take a look today at what that means. Prophetess. We don't use that word very much anymore. You might wonder, scratch your head, what is that? Uh, you may even know a decent amount about the Bible 
and not really have taken the time to look into uh, who the prophetesses were, what they said, what they meant. Uh, so in the sense of who Anna was, we want to we parachute down now into this passage. We want to interact a little bit with her character. I'll just start off by saying that she was a female mouthpiece. There was a prophetess, Anna. That was her title, and uh, the prophetess would have been a mouthpiece, someone who is recognized as having the, the word of God in her. So she knew the word, she was able to, to speak it, she was able to apply it, and her makeup was in, in service uh, to God. So I don't want to create any confusion. To, this sermon today is not about the role of women in ministry or should women preach or not. That's not in this passage. It would be terrible form for Mother's Day to start wandering into all this stuff. I don't want to do that today. But if we have a view in the Bible that women never contributed by speaking or by being a mouthpiece or a presence, then we have an inaccurate view of who God is and how he uses people. A comparison that I want to use from the Old Testament is here in 2 Chronicles. And I'm not going to read the entire thing. I I bolded uh, some sections of these slides. And I want you to see, this is uh, the prophetess Huldah, who is prominent in the kingship of Josiah. Uh, Hilkiah is uh, the guy that Josiah, king, sent to the temple to kind of see what the condition was. Hilkiah comes back and says, whoa, we found the, the Bible, the word of the Lord. And they, nobody, they, were, they were so unfaithful for so long, they had no idea what to do. And so the prophetess, Huldah, is somebody that they went to see. And she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. She may have lived near uh, the temple, is what that would imply to us. But look at what she tells them. Okay, the Lord, thus says the Lord. And she is speaking with the weight and the authority of the Lord. Hey, say that the man... Uh, They sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, behold, I'll bring disaster. And she begins to explain some of the things that would happen. Okay, and what she says, she's still talking as if God is speaking because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods. And so she's still attributing them. So to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire, not of hold of the prophetess, but to inquire of the Lord. Thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord. And part of what we know about Josiah is that he humbled himself when he heard the word of the Lord and she was able to affirm God's work in his life and his heart because he humbled himself. I have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers. You shall be gathered in your grave in peace. So you get this idea of who Huldah, the prophetess, was in the Old Testament. And so, uh, yes, it is possible for uh, women to uh, have that role of speaking into the lives of, uh, in this case, leadership and, and worshipers in a sense that they carry the weight of God's word. So that's... Uh, exciting to me 
uh, made me think of several times when uh, certain women in my life, both in our church and outside of our church, have, have said things or have come along and have, have pointed things out or brought an angle on something that I really hadn't considered. And so I hope that this encourages us for us uh, to see a prophetess, uh, someone who is lifted up uh, in, and, and has this role, but also has this presence. She's not just a, a title in the sense that everybody knew who she was. Anna wasn't uh, just a name, and she didn't just have a, a, a plaque or a sign on her office door or anything like that. She was a recognized presence. See what this uh, says. I'll get into the stuff about her family in just a little bit. Uh, But it says that in verse 37, She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Now we don't know if this is just a general expression to say she was around a lot. It's also possible that she lived there. We talked about Hulda uh, living in the second quarter. It's also possible that Anna uh, would, have, would have lived there and had some, some role in uh, helping to care for the temple. That's a possibility. The passage doesn't give us the specifics. But no matter what, she had a presence. Now, uh, you can say some things about, well, that person has a presence. And, <laughs> well, that sometimes means a lot of really good things. When that person can just fill up a room, their demeanor, their spirit, their words, their attitude. Now, it can also mean negative things. And so when I, when I put this on the outline, I said, well, Anna was recog- or a recognized presence. I wanted to make sure that that can also mean negative things. But in this case, boy, it means positive things. She was recognized and she was, she was around. Now, let's look here uh, at the, the family information. Uh, the prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And so here is the presence that Anna brought. You might wonder why Phanuel, why the tribe of Asher. At this point in biblical history, the tribe of Asher doesn't really exist. It's one of the ten tribes in the north that really kind of just disbanded. And these tribes weren't organizational structures. There were still some family members, members who carried on the genealogy, but she would have been in a position uh, spiritually within the community of Israel where her tribe isn't really even recognized anymore. So she's separate from any kind of a formal spiritual identity within the community of Israel. She's also separate from her formal and family connections. I'm not going to quibble this morning on the math because we don't have time, but we get a number here of 84 years. She lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. That's a long time to be separated from her marriage structure. She was recognized as a presence in the temple, constantly there, and she was without formal spiritual lineage or connection to a tribe, and she was uh, without that, that family structure and had remained uh, faithful and had, she had never uh, remarried uh, during this time. Not to say that it's wrong to do that, but she never did. It was part of her faith. She had a public faith. It was known. She also had a private faith. This is where we want to turn the corner. We want to begin to apply this. We want you to think about this, both men and women. We need to consider uh, the way that she was. She did not have an identity, could never have at this stage, about her stature, 
or her money or her influence or politics or family legacy or connections. She would have had none of that. Anna means grace. I want to return to that later uh, in, the, in the time we have this morning. God's grace was in her. And so, back to our phone. All right, our phone is useful and it does things that fascinate us or entertain us or really help us. But none of us is our title. None of us is an address or an income level or a status. Anna is not just a a prophetess who relied on on that title. Some of the people who struggle the most spiritually as we see Jesus interact with them in the New Testament are people who have tied their entire identity to what they can do. Spiritually, I can produce this or I was a part of this for this many years. And it's not wrong to look back and to marvel at how many years God has allowed us to do things. Springtime for me means I'm coming up on my anniversary here at June 1st, and I think about years, and I think about faithfulness, I think about who God is. Okay, but one day, Lord willing, I won't be a pastor anymore. That's not my identity. What I do isn't my identity. The people who do that get themselves in trouble. And so Anna wasn't just relying on the fact that she was a prophetess. Otherwise, she would just show up and bear a title. But she's there all the time. They've, they've recognized there's something about her. They want her around and involved. It's easy to slip into performance and to forget about what our makeup is and our real love for God. So let's talk this morning instead about a title. Let's talk uh, about faithfulness. Anna's devotion pointed to God. Yes, she had a public spiritual life. She had a title. She had a private spiritual life, day and night. When people were there, when when people could see her, but when people weren't there and when people couldn't see her, she loved the Lord. So who in the world is Anna anyway? Luke chapter 2, you might know that chapter from Christmas. right? We read Luke 2 at Christmas time, Christmas Eve. Or during the Advent season, we read the story of the birth of Jesus. Well, this is the end of that chapter, so it's right after the birth of Jesus. And so uh, Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, did what any Jewish parents would do. They brought their son to the temple to be dedicated. And Anna is one of the people who interacts with baby Jesus. Simeon is the other. You can read the rest of uh, the chapter to, to see what he had to say. But here's Anna, verses 36 through 38, who had been uh, devoted and worshiping, and she had, been, she had been waiting, verse 38 says, waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. At the beginning of that verse says she's coming up to that, that very hour. She began to give thanks to God. Oh, it's amazing. Her faith and her faithfulness isn't so she can gain more clout. Her devotion, her faith, her faithfulness is about God. Something greater than she is. Someone who created her. Someone who has authority over her. Someone who had spoken that redemption would come to Israel. And she had, just like Simeon, she had longed for that. She had wanted that. When she could be seen, when she couldn't, anytime, all the time, her devotion consumed her. I am convinced that we will be astounded 
and overwhelmed with praise when we get to heaven and we see the spiritual battles and understand the spiritual battles that our sisters in the Lord Jesus won because they prayed. Just like Anna, night and day. Quietly, publicly, persistently, however, whenever. Prayed and prayed and prayed. My mom told me a story one time uh, after I had gotten into my teenage years, probably around my high school graduation. She said, do you remember when you were reading those books in junior high? And she mentioned the name of the author. And I said, yeah, I remember when I was reading those books. And she said, those weren't the best books, were they? <laughs> and I said, well, you've been in my room, haven't you? <laughs> And she said, well, yeah, I was in your room. And so, so mom says, I'm telling this story. Get in your kids' rooms, okay? Know what's going on. Get on their phones, all right? You're paying the bill anyway, so know what's going on. Here's what my mom did. She found this uh, novel that I was reading. It had some questionable uh, content, and I was reading some stuff by a guy. And some of it was adventure, some of it was whatever, but it had some questionable stuff in it. And what she told me she did, she said, well, I found that novel. She said, you're not into that stuff anymore. I said, no, a long time. And as she told me the story, I remembered. I remember that not long after I had finished the one book that she, uh, she referenced, I lost interest in reading that stuff. And my mom said, I, I didn't make a big deal out of it. She said, I just went in, and I wasn't sure about it. It wasn't something I really needed to take away. She said, I just began to pray that nothing would take root in you at that time from that, that stuff. And I just went, oh my goodness. I was reminded of that, thinking about Anna and her character and her devotion. And whether we're a man or a woman, I want to I be that type of person that just constantly has God on my mind. But I think this is especially encouraging to women. We don't want to wait. <laughs> None of us wants to wait. We don't want to do that. But here's what Anna's devotion did, is it anticipated Oh, look, <laughs> faithfulness, right there, the list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Faithfulness, to just pray and keep praying. So to God, but then Anna's devotion anticipated and proclaimed Jesus. Her devotion waited and waited. She had been a widow for a long time. She'd been doing the temple service thing for, for a long time. She, she was recognized and, and, and waiting and waiting, the last thing we want to do is, is wait. We don't want to wait to see how our child who's wandered away from things will... We don't want to wait to find out how God's going to answer that prayer. We don't want to work through loneliness or a sense of rejection or a sense of not having the identity of a married person or being a widow, especially for that many years, we don't want to work through those things. We, we, want, to, we want it to, to just go away. We, we don't have that patience. And, and, and when God grants it, we know it's supernatural because it's really hard for us to stop and to, and to trust him. So when all those things go on, and we're wondering how to communicate with God, and we're wondering, is there any power in prayer, please let a character like Anna come to mind. Read the end of Luke 2 and see how Simeon and Anna, who are, who are elderly saints, elderly believers, and the witness that they have, think about them. We need to realize it might be years until God answers that prayer, or decades. Faithfulness. The Holy Spirit can give us patience and faithfulness. 
And when Anna finally realized that the promised redemption, Jesus, was in the temple, the little baby come to be dedicated, when she finally realized it, what did she do? And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So no matter where we are in our lives today, we can think about being in her place, some way, shape, or form. Not everything is right in our lives, in our relationships, in our past, in our history, or in our present. Conflict, turmoil, unsettledness, these things happen. Anna is a heroine of the faith. It's amazing what she did in anticipating Jesus. Sometimes you wait and you wait and something happens and then you kind of forget God. You're like you kind of feel entitled to that. Well, I waited so long, it's about time he finally did something. Right? You ever feel that way? And then you forget it. The Israelites did that. Read the Old Testament. God did amazing things for them and they just forgot and then started griping about everything. Hmm. I've really been convicted in thinking about who she is and what she was for so long. She waited, and then as soon as it happened, she didn't go on with her life. She just began to praise the Lord and began to proclaim it. Back to her name. I said it means grace. It's the same in the root sense as the character Hannah who's in 1 Samuel chapter 1, who's waiting for a son. You can go back and you can read that chapter, but the name at its root, it means grace, which is a free gift, which means that God is giving to us things that we don't deserve. What's in view here is our very salvation, the redemption of Israel, Jesus. We don't deserve it. These people didn't deserve Jesus. The whole arc of their obedience had started up here and had completely fallen by the wayside and tailed off. They didn't deserve Jesus himself being in the temple. It was grace. Anna didn't deserve the grace that carried her through those decades of obedience after her husband was gone. None of us deserves whatever God gives us in pushing through, staying devoted to him, continuing to call out to him when we don't understand when there's difficulty. None of us deserves any of that. But by his grace... He will give it. Friends, that's the power in prayer. I want to encourage you today. A, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, he's come to redeem. He's come to forgive. Your sins can be forgiven right this moment, today, in this, in this place. It can happen. It can happen anywhere, anytime. People have heard that message in a gathering, one-on-one. It happens, and it's grace. You can be forgiven. You can repent of your sin and turn away from it and say, God, I want to follow you. And by his grace, he will give you what you don't deserve. He will forgive you. To him be the glory. It's real and it changes us. And the spirit then fills us to this type of obedience, which helps us to anticipate and which helps us then to proclaim. To proclaim the name of Jesus. We too can be fueled and used to say, yes, Jesus died and he rose again and it's real and it will change your life. And so the challenge today as we close is to let this passage encourage your faithfulness. Seek God. Persist. Continue in prayer. Anna was so faithful, 
such a faithful prophetess with a faithful presence, a sweet spirit, but certainly willing to uh, be present over a long time, speak the truth uh, in love, the things that God would have had her to do, she did, and she was recognized throughout uh, her time and for a long time. May that be said of us. May we be challenged and encouraged in our faithfulness today. I want to pray with you. Uh, Our musicians will come and get ready to close our service in song. I don't want to rush today. If there's something God is speaking to you about your faithfulness, perhaps it's to, uh, to commit to Jesus today and to promise that lifelong faithfulness to him and, and devote yourself and say, I'm coming on your grace uh, and my faith, Lord, would you take it and use it? I want to be different. I want you to forgive me. I want to change. Oh, yes, it can happen. But maybe you've been a believer for a while. Maybe it's a little blurry. Maybe the the excitement or the passion is gone and and maybe you need the Lord to say, hey, I'm faithful to you. Continue to serve. Continue to press on. We'll search our hearts and allow God to speak to us this morning.